This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Melina Abdullah, co-founder of Black Lives Matter Los Angeles, has been targeted by the LAPD again, twice last week in swatting incidents where large numbers of police officers show up at her house with guns drawn. We call that harassment. For that story, we turn to Melina Abdullah herself, in addition to being co-founder and a leader of Black Lives Matter LA, she's also professor and former chair of Pan-African Studies at Cal State LA. Recently, she's been a leader in the fight for ethnic studies in K through 12 schools and in universities. And she was part of the historic victory that made ethnic studies a requirement in the LA public schools. She's also served on the LA County Human Relations Commission. She's appeared on MSNBC, CNN, ABC, PBS, BET, lots of other places. Melina Abdullah, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. Well, tell us what happened with you in the LAPD last week. So the day after we announced our lawsuit against LAPD for a swatting that took place in August of 2020, the very next day, police showed up at the home of my neighbor, claiming that I had been swatted again. Um, and then later in conversation with a journalist, they said, well, this time it wasn't about a kidnapping. It was actually, they got, they alleged they got a call from my son, who's only 11 years old um, and would have been in school at the time and has no cell phone of his own. Um, they alleged that he called and said that I OD'd on pills. Mm -hmm. um, of course, the only pills I pop are vitamin C and elderberry and black seed oil, right? So okay. there would be no overdosing. But if there were an overdose, I would think that the right unit to dispatch would be paramedics and ambulance. Why yes. would police show up at the home of my next door neighbor if I were in need of medical care? That made absolutely no sense. And so as we were complaining about that, during a our weekly in police associations rally, and I think we can have plenty to talk about about why police associations are particularly problematic, given what LAPD is, but also given what's happening nationally and um, the FBI raid on the New York Police Association. Right, um, <clears throat> so we've been protesting police associations every single Wednesday for about eight months now. And um, as we were doing our weekly rally, my daughter who was with me got a FaceTime call from a neighbor and police surrounded my home again with assault rifles dressed in SWAT gear. Um, and they claim that they got an emergency call that I was kidnapped and being held for ransom when all they really needed to do is literally look out their front window and as they were surrounding my house, I was in front of theirs. Mm. And the original swatting incident, August 2020, we talked about that here shortly afterwards. But remind us about that one. That one was really scary. That one was the most traumatic and violent of all of them. So in August 2020, I was preparing actually for a press conference um, at Cal State LA about the new College of Ethnic Studies, which we helped to initiate. And we were working towards some things there and I was getting ready. And um, a friend of mine, a comrade, 
um, often makes sure that I'm safe and travels with me to things. And so um, his name is Billion. And um, my children were at home because it was still quarantine, right? Mm -hmm. So children were doing online learning. And Billion comes up and he says, and we heard a little bit of something happening outside, but Billion comes up, rings the bell, comes inside and goes, there is a million police around your house. And I thought it was because I live in a pretty active area. Um, Sometimes things come into my neighborhood, into the residential space. And I thought it was just something happening over on Crenshaw that had spilled into the neighborhood, right? And I said, don't worry about it. It's not for us. And I'm actually on the phone doing something else, trying to get, you know, get ready. And then I kind of glance out the front window and notice police with riot gear or SWAT gear on. And as I approach the window, two of the officers, which were originally across the street, and I could hear a helicopter overhead run towards my window with assault rifles pointed at me. So I turn out of, you know, the window space where they could see me and immediately like look at Billion and say, I think we got to go on social media. So I go on Instagram live and decided that if they kill me, they're not going to kill me where nobody sees. And so um, went and got my kids, got my kids kind of um, barricaded in a, a room that was as far away from where police were as possible and then decided to come out. Um, they yelled everyone at my address, come out with your hands up. So I had my phone in my hand. I opened the door to the front door and I yell out, I have a phone in my hand. It's just a phone. Um, thinking about people like Corinne Gaines and uh, Stefan Clark and Um, wind up coming out and there were dozens of officers all with assault rifles um, trained on me and trained on my house. And my thought as a mom is what every mom's thought would be, which is let me get them away from my house because my kids are inside, you know? And so the relief was, it was extremely traumatic the relief and beauty in it was though, cause I feel like we always should look for that is that what I couldn't see from my front window is to my left were dozens of neighbors in the street also filming. Um, and one of my neighbors, a black father ran up and met me at my walkway and um, put his body in front of my body as I was walking towards the police, his wife then joined and put her body next to me. And, um, you know, literally kept me safe. We say we have a saying in Black Lives Matter, we keep us safe. Um, My neighbors literally in all three incidents and especially in most profoundly in the first one, my neighbors kept me safe and alive. Yeah, it's it's a horrifying story. And yeah, you've got some wonderful uh, neighbors. And then just two weeks ago, you sued the city of LA and the LAPD over this swatting incident. Tell us about that lawsuit. That's right. I mean, uh, we did get the 911 call. So we did get the tape from the August 2020 swatting. 
the caller clearly says that he's targeting me because I'm with Black Lives Matter. And we know that the LAPD did not have to respond the way that it did. They did not have to um, attempt to terrify us. They did not have to point assault rifles at us. They knew what it was. So LAPD was absolutely complicit in the swatting, in the traumatization, in the wounds that my children now carry. And so we filed a lawsuit um, against them for their role in that. And it was how many days after that, that the second swatting incident took place? It was the very next day. The very next day. Uh, meanwhile, you've been calling on Mayor Eric Garcetti to fire the LAPD chief, Michael Moore. Tell us about the case against Chief Moore. It's astounding to us that Chief Michael Moore has been able to get away with what he's been able to get away with. It's astounding that a police chief who detonates explosives in a South Central community would be left on the force. This was an incident where the LAPD found a huge cache of fireworks right before the 4th of July, 40 pounds, and they detonated them, which caused a massive explosion that destroyed part of a South LA neighborhood. It damaged or destroyed 13 businesses, 22 houses, and 37 vehicles, and it injured 17 people, two of whom later died. It killed Ozzy Hutchins and uh, Ramon Reyes, and he's been left on the force, right? Um, leading the force. We know that Michael Moore is also responsible for the beatings and abuse of protesters in the summer of 2020 at a level that is really unparalleled by any other city. And instead of being um, fired, he's advocating for tens of millions more dollars to LAPD and the city's leadership is considering it. Um, and when we think about people being killed by LAPD, what Michael Moore does is put out a solid PR campaign and then um, really enable the abuse of our people. And so we have a petition that has been circulating, um, tinyurl.com slash fire LAPD chief more, tinyurl.com slash fire LAPD chief more. And it outlines this and so many other reasons, right? Um, or these and so many other reasons. And then of course, when we think about the swatting and targeting of activists, including me, um, that's another reason for Michael Moore to go. Just to put it in context, I did consult with uh, movement elders over the last couple of weeks. And I said, you know, I've heard of people being swatted before. Other folks in my um, orbit have been swatted, right? But I have never heard of people being swatted routinely. And when I talked with folks, no one else had either. No one else had heard of someone who's been swatted three times. I've been swatted three times in the span of just about a year. Yeah. And, you know, LAPD bears some responsibility in that. And I believe in shopping from the top. So Michael Moore has to go. On a brighter note, you and Black Lives Matter LA and a lot of the rest of us campaigned to elect a new progressive district attorney for LA County, and we succeeded George Gascone. He's now the DA of the county with the largest population in the country, 10 million people, and the largest jail system in the world. He's done some 
good things since taking office. Let's talk about what George Gascon has already done and what we need him to do next. Yeah, well, George Gascon has lived up to 90% of his campaign promises. Um, he has ushered in progressive justice reform. He has refused to try children as adults. He has said that, you know, we are not putting people on death row. It's costly and it's unethical, right? He said, we're going to end sentencing enhancements, which means people will be prosecuted for the crimes they're actually accused of, not for the neighborhoods in which they live. Um, these are all great things. We know that at least 14 officers are being charged with crimes or investigated for crimes as a result of Gascon saying, you know, police need to be held accountable. So we know that the terrible police department in Torrance, California, where Christopher DeAndre Mitchell um, was murdered, um, two Torrance police officers are being prosecuted for hate crimes, for spray painting swastikas on cars, right? We know that a third Torrance police officer is being prosecuted for shooting a man with disabilities inside of a mall. Um, and we know that there's many more investigations and uh, uh, LA County Sheriff's deputies are also being investigated out of the East LA station where we know the Bandidos Sheriff's Gang comes from and where Sheriff Alex Villanueva comes from himself. So Gascon is doing um, really important work and we'd like to see him move on the prosecution of police who kill our people. So when he took office um, under Jackie Lacey, 648 people, his predecessor, 648 people had been killed by police on her watch. We know that there's new studies that um, estimate the undercount of people being killed by police at about 55%. So, yeah. you know, we know that this is also an undercount. Um, but Gascon so far has not prosecuted any of the police who've killed our people, even though he's pledged to. And so we need a little movement um, and collaboration and support from the County Board of Supervisors. We know that there are assistant um, um, district attorneys, um, deputy district attorneys who are refusing to um, move what Gascon is trying to move. We know that he's trying to hire deputy district attorneys who would be able to move these police prosecutions. But because of the civil service requirements in the county, it's been very difficult for him to get new folks in and to kind of hold to account even the DAs who are supposed to be working for him. So we need everybody to, to help make sure that um, murderous police are held accountable. Melina Abdullah. The best way I know to keep up with her is to follow her on Twitter at Doc Melly Mel. That's it. Doc Melly Mel on Twitter and Instagram. Melina, thanks for everything you do. And thanks for talking with us today. Thanks so much, John. Take care. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 